You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. Well, Sean, don't get too comfortable because you pretty much just used up my message. No, there's a little more. Happy New Year. Thank you. I'm going to say it. You may have thought it. I hope you've thought it. 2020 is officially over. Let's pray that this year is a little bit less crazy and a little bit more what we're used to calling normal than it was this year. And as Sean just said, as we start the new year, he felt it would be appropriate and useful for us to spend time right away looking at stewardship, and he asked that question, um, when you think about stewardship, what do you think? And that's, that's exactly where I started too. When, you, when I say stewardship, what do you hear? And I want you to take just a minute and think about that. We say stewardship, what do you hear? Your first thought, your first response. How many of you was it money? Giving, tithing? It is important It's a significant part, but there is so much more to stewardship. And so that's what I'd like to look at today. I want to look at the bigger picture of stewardship and God's plan. Since it's a new year and since Genesis is about beginnings, I thought Genesis would be a great place to start our study on worship. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to start in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and look at the origins of stewardship. And then we're going to move up to chapters 39 and 41 and look at how stewardship works out in Joseph's life. And then from there, we're going to jump almost to the end of the New Testament in 1 Peter and look at Peter's teaching, the instruction we get there, and maybe more application than the Old Testament passages give. So, what is stewardship? It's a careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So it's not yours right off the bat. It's somebody else's, and they're entrusting it to you. And as we're going to see, a steward is one who cares for the things that belong to someone else. And with that, there's also the sense of Increase, benefit, making a profit, if you will. That is part of stewardship. So with that, would you please turn to Genesis chapter 1. And we'll start in verse 28. I've forgotten that we live in a digital age. I used to teach homiletics, which is preaching, which is funny because I'm rather awkward at it at times. But one of the things that we used to teach is listen for the rustling of pages so that you can hear when people are there. Because if you've asked them to turn somewhere, they're going to do that to please you. And if you start talking, they're going to miss part of what you had for them. So I was listening for the rustling of pages. This doesn't make very much noise anymore. (laughs) Welcome to a new generation. Oh, my goodness. Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 to 31. 
And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. This is the first recorded interaction that we have between God and man. First time they're talking together that we're made aware of. Uh, Happens on the sixth day of creation. And it's interesting because it reads kind of like a job description as God's talking to Adam. He tells Adam and Eve what's there. He tells them what it's for. And he tells them what he expects of them. And so, as, as we look at this, it looks like God's instruction breaks into kind of two parts. And the first one is in the first part of verse 28. God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. I want to have you say these three words with me just because I think they're fun. Para, Raba, Mala. Para, Raba, Mala. One more time. Para, Raba, mala. And that means be fruitful, multiply, and fill. And that's the mandate that God gives to Adam and Eve. He asks them to bear fruit, to provide an increase, which is one of the first principles we see of stewardship. It's not maintaining status quo. It's gaining a benefit for the master. He tells them to to increase and to fill the earth. He wants them to go out and cover the earth to show his glory to all of creation. It calls for us to do just that. And so there's a principle. God has a plan, and the plan is for us, his people, to bring his increase. There it was to multiply and fill the earth. To us, it's to be faithful disciples. Uh, It's interesting, as you look at the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. He didn't want the disciples to stay put. He wanted them to spread out. He wanted them to go into the world and take the gospel, that message of hope and reconciliation, to a lost world. Adam and Eve were called to go and, and produce offspring and fill the earth for God's glory and God's benefit. Uh, we see God further commanding that is from the book of Acts as we looked, that they were told to go to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So we get the sense right away of increase and benefit for the master. Those two things are crucial. Interestingly, everything that God gave Adam and Eve was to be used to those purposes. That's what the earth was and is for. The second part of his 
commission to them, if you will, is the last part of verse 28. After he tells them to fill the earth, he says, subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Those two words, when you just look at them by themselves, are harsh, kind of harsh words. They mean to trample down. Um, there's a word we use in English to put the kibosh on something. Well, the, the Hebrew word for subduing is just that. It's kibosh. Put it down. And I don't believe as we look at that that that's what God has in mind. He wants man to have control. He wants man to have reign, and that's the part of having dominion, reigning over those things, bringing them into subjection for God's glory, not to wipe them out, not to mess them up, not to belittle them, but to put them into a place of usefulness. It's all of the fish of the sea, all the fowls of the air. It's every living thing that moves on the earth. So we see as God is establishing the universe here in Genesis chapter 1 and putting everything in place, he also includes these instructions, his plan for man. Then as we move to Genesis 2 in verse 15, we see him further clarifying that principle. That's, I appreciate Genesis 2 because for me, it fills in some of the details that relate us to Genesis chapter 1 and I see that in verse 15. And Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Working it is serving to be a servant. God called Adam to be a servant to the Garden of Eden. To be a husbandman, which is building it up, making it more than what it is. And, and we read, though, that it was the most amazing place in all of creation, and yet God calls Adam to tend it and to care for it and to make it even better. And keeping is the picture of hedging about, of protecting, of attending to. So we've got God telling Adam to be a servant to the Garden of Eden and to protect it and attend to it and care for it. More principles of stewardship, the idea of care, the idea of service, the idea of watching over everything that's God's for his benefit. So the idea is that man is to intelligently make use of what God has placed on earth. The Wycliffe Bible Commentary says, man was to be God's responsible representative. I like that. A responsible representative and steward on the earth to work out his creator's will and fulfill the divine purpose. So there we go. There's our job description for us too. To be God's responsible representatives and stewards on the earth to work out the creator's will and fulfill his divine purpose. Believer's Bible commentary says that we are to use and not abuse the earth. We're going to talk about those two aspects a little bit more later. But the idea that the, the earth is here for our benefit with wise use. It's easy to get sideways in that and serve the creation more than the creator. And that's a warning that we would have as we look at this. But God wants us to make wise use of resources. He gave them to us 
and they're there for his glory and purposes. So, creation, in creation, God made everything. God owns everything. And man was tasked to manage everything on earth on God's behalf. Feeling better? I haven't said a word about money yet. I probably shouldn't have said yet, should I? God's plan from the beginning was for man to spread over the earth and rule it wisely for God's glory. So, what have we learned? Stewardship is part of God's original plan for man. Stewardship involves everything that God put on earth, including us. And stewardship is meant for increase, not just status quo. With that in mind, let's move further on in Genesis and look at Joseph's example of stewardship. And and I know we all know Joseph's story. Favored son, hated by his brothers, sold into captivity, lots of twists and turns. Let's look at Genesis chapter 39, uh, verses 2 to 6, and see his responsibility of stewardship. Uh, Genesis 39, 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. So Joseph started out just as a servant, working in Potiphar's house. It was obvious right away that God was with Joseph and God was prospering him. The things that he did worked out because of God's care. Not because of Joseph's amazing abilities, although his abilities are in there, but it's what God did with him. And because of that, Potiphar made Joseph the overseer. He was responsible to oversee, to watch, to care for, to have charge of all that Potiphar had. Everything. Parallel to what Adam and Eve were commissioned to in the Garden of Eden. They were responsible for everything on the earth. He was in charge of house care. He was in charge of the staff. He was in charge of the money. He was in charge of the food, but not the preparation because he was a foreigner. He was not allowed to do that. He was even responsible to a degree for Potiphar's reputation. And we see that in his response later when Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him and he flees. Pretty much all that Potiphar had to worry about was what was in the fridge and how he was going to cook it. Everything else was taken care of. And he had absolute trust in what Joseph was going to do with his goods on his behalf. And it was interesting to me as I was reading Joseph and thinking about what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. 
Like Adam, Joseph, Adam was put in charge of all of God's earthly creation. Joseph was put in charge of all of Potiphar's house. Each of them essentially had one restriction. Adam and Eve were told not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Joseph restricted himself from Potiphar's wife. Adam failed. Joseph succeeded. He was able to remain faithful in that aspect. That faithfulness cost him dearly, but he was. And so, as I look at both of those examples, um, stewardship is about responsibility. And it has a price. Joseph's story doesn't end there. It goes way beyond Potiphar's house. Um, we see that in Genesis chapter 41. And if you would turn there with me, we're going to start in verse 38 and read to verse 41. Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is, no, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. God's work in Joseph's life was obvious. It was obvious to Potiphar. It was obvious to Pharaoh. The presence of the Spirit made him able to accomplish these things on the, bent, on the behalf of others, on the behalf of Potiphar, on the behalf of Pharaoh and the Egyptian people. And even beyond that, as we look at later how large the, the famine became, Joseph's preparation under God's direction was providing for essentially the entire known world at that point. Joseph's put in charge of all of Pharaoh's house and all of Egypt. He represents Pharaoh with complete authority. Everything Joseph said was as if Pharaoh himself had said it. And he was second only to Pharaoh. Why? Faithfulness? the use of the abilities God gave him. And I believe probably even more importantly than either of those is that God had prepared him and put him there. We see another New Testament parallel from the book of Acts in chapter 20, verse 28. Paul is on his way to Rome he stops briefly in Ephesus where he had spent significant time ministering, where he had established, helped establish a church. And he's talking to the church leaders there. And in verse 28, he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Paul recognizes and Luke recognizes in writing this that God has given these leaders a responsibility for the spiritual care of that body. They were representing God and accomplishing his purposes, his will on his behalf. 
I know this is directed towards the elders, towards church leaders, but I believe the principle is still the same. They're told to guard. They're told to watch over. They're told to care for the flock. All of those things relate to growth and the benefit of the body as a result of careful stewardship. And so now, almost all of us can sit here and go, whew, don't have to sweat that one. That's just to the church leaders. No, I think that's tied to the principles of stewardship. They have an office and responsibility, but God's called all of us to steward. So let's go from the principles God laid out in Genesis 1 to the outworking and example of those we saw of them applied in Joseph's life into the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 4. And we'll start in verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God's given all of us as believers spiritual gifts, and that's addressed here. We're called to use those, and God tells us to minister, the word for deacon, to serve to each other. After we're told to serve each other with these gifts, we're told to serve as good stewards, house managers, which is a, a, one of the facets that comes out of, of leaders, of God's varied grace. It's God's stuff. The church belongs to Jesus Christ, right? He's given us the responsibility of seeing the church function on earth as a witness to who he is for his glory, for his purposes. So we're to serve others. We're to be good managers of everything that God has given for his benefit. He used hospitality in here. Love guests, love strangers. Well, how do we show that? Invite them to your home. Feed them. Talk to them. Care for them. That's stewarding. Serving one another. How can we serve each other? There are a multitude of ways, but we're called to be stewards. The gifts are from God. You and I didn't dream up our spiritual gifts. God bestowed them upon us. We're to use them for others. Peter uses verse 11 here to give us some examples. If you speak, preach, or teach, present God's sayings, not yours. If you serve, do it in the strength God supplies. And anybody who's served knows that it's easy to do it grudgingly. It's easy to do it 
and not want to do it. And he calls us here to do it in God's strength because when we do that, it's not a burden. It's that light yoke. The goal of stewardship is that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That's from the Wycliffe Bible Commentary. This list in Peter isn't exhaustive. We see in Ephesians and we see in Corinthians a further listing of of giftings. And the point that's made in both places is that they're for the benefit of the body. If you look at verse 8, we see love. We see hospitality in verse 9, spiritual gifts in verse 10, all of these things of which we are to be stewards. You think about all three of these passages we've looked at today, the first part in Genesis with Adam and Eve, Joseph, and now in 1 Peter. All of these passages make it clear that we're responsible to use all that God has given us wisely and for his glory and benefit. So let's expand our view of stewardship to match God's. I want to start a stewardship list. Do you have something to write with or... Pull out your notes on your electronic device, as they're lovingly called. Your list can be bigger than this. That's fine. But I just want us to start thinking, as from what we've seen today, what this list might start to look like. We're called to be stewards of the earth and natural resources. How do we do that? I heard an interesting one on the way here today, on the radio. There's a pizza company here in town, Northern Lights. The owners are Christians. They're going to use biodegradable foam containers so that their things don't just sit in a landfill, they decompose in a shorter time. That's a cool way to be a steward. They're looking at aspects of stewardship. Um, Your family, your children. We have a responsibility to invest in them for God's glory and God's goals. Our jobs have been given to us by God. Our time. Okay, not our time. Time. Because I'm guessing you, like me, see it as your time. And when you see it as your time, you get selfish about how it's spent. It's God's time that he's entrusted to our care to use for his glory and purposes. That changes how we approach things. Our money, nope, sorry, money. I keep doing it. Spiritual gifts. Talents and abilities. God has allowed us experiences. God has allowed us training. God has put in us interests and desires and strengths that we can use. We're not all the same, um, and we're grateful for that. The gospel has been entrusted to us. That one freaks me out. That God would trust the most important thing in all of eternity to us to minister on his behalf. The body of Christ. Our relationships. Our 
As we were listing these, what else did you think of? I may or may not be able to hear through masks. I don't know if that's a wise thing to put a question that you may not be able to answer. There is a word of caution as we look at these, and I mentioned it earlier. Each of these areas can become an idol. We can look at our job and devote all of our time and efforts to maintaining our job and letting it become greater than what it is, a means of providing for us and a means of using our abilities for God's glory. We talked about time. Spiritual gifts can be overemphasized and we can put so much focus on them that we forget that they're for the use of the giver, not for the receiver. So these are all resources entrusted to us to be used for God's glory. So here's application. Look at your list. Pick one. Mark it, circle it, burn it into your mind. Pick one. One of these that you need to be more faithful in. Perhaps one that you need to start being faithful in. This is not a guilt trip, by the way. It's just reality. Um, Layla felt it would be helpful for us to be better stewards of our health. And so we started on the Whole30 diet five days ago. I feel like I'm going to (laughs) die. It's not easy. There is a cost. Um, I'm trusting that the way I feel right now is not going to last for the rest of my life (laughs) and that I'm going to come out of this healthier and more able to serve in ways that are useful to God. I'm doing it right now, not so much for my benefit, but to be a blessing to my wife, knowing that I am going to benefit as well. Because if I can be an encouragement to her doing this, I want to do that. It's a way that I can steward, care for part of the responsibility that God's given me. Now, you've written it down. It's what I call with my my kids Nike time. Just do it. Trust God. Allow him to remind you and empower you and start moving towards faithfulness and stewardship of that area. That's our step. That's the focus. So, Stewardship is not just our money. Stewardship is everything because it's God's. And he he has made us managers of his resources for his benefit. So as we continue to look at stewardship, I, I pray that we can adapt that and adopt that mindset. Not adapt it. We don't want to change what God says, sorry. Adopt it for God's glory for his honor. Let's pray. God, in so many ways, it's overwhelming that you've made us your stewards. We know our shortcomings. We know our weaknesses. We know our fears. We know what we are, but we 
realize when we're really honest that stewardship is faithfully doing what you've asked. And it's very clear in Scripture that you've entrusted us with your plans and purposes on earth as your representatives. Help us to be faithful, Lord, and help us to to look at the areas where we need to do that, that we can bring more glory to your name, that you might be lifted up, that others might come to know you as their Savior, that this world would come to know who Jesus is. Lord, that there would be no one with excuse of not hearing the gospel, that we would be faithful to serve you with the time you've given us, with the abilities you've given us, with the resources you've given us for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.